From the Cambodian killing fields of Choyong Ek to the museum at Auschwitz-Birkenau, the places where a certain kind of human history has been made are meant for contemplation and to affect visitors deeply. The impact may be amplified around places whose history hasn't always been allowed to be at the fore. This is why we wrote this. I'm Clay Collins. Monitor commentator Ken Macon, a South Carolinian, reported earlier this summer from the new International African American Museum in Charleston. He joins us today to talk about the story he wrote about it, a story of dignity, about a place and space, once given over to searing horror, and now one in which to grieve, to reflect, and to continue to demand better of humanity. Welcome back to the show, Ken. Clay, so glad to be back. So set the scene, if you would, down at Gadsden's Wharf today and remind us about that place's history, which this new museum depicts. I went down to the museum with my wife and I remember just pulling up to the building. It's actually 13 feet off of the ground and, you know, it's on the water. The The beauty of it is remarkable. Of course, when you learn the story about what's inside of the building and what's around it, then you learn very quickly that this is, as uh, the International African American Museum puts it, this is hallowed ground. In a lot of ways, it's ground zero for chattel slavery in the country. 40 to 48% of the enslaved who came into this country came in through Charleston. The museum does a very good job of explaining that history, but beyond that history, honoring just the, really the past, the present and the future. Hmm. Just walking into the museum, it's, it's remarkable. So beautiful just seeing the heroes of South Carolina. You would see like a Mary McLeod Bethune, who's from Maysville, South Carolina. You would see a Benjamin Mays. Uh, he's actually, he was a mentor to Dr. King. Beyond that initial walkthrough, something that really just grabbed my attention was there's a timeline. It's in this U shape and it starts from the 1600s and it goes into just very meticulous detail on all of these different occurrences that happened, you know, whether it was, you know, items of cultural ramifications, entertainment, uh, there are these, you know, notions of rebellion. So there are elements of Pan-Africanism and the civil rights movement and the, the tug and pull between freedom and, you know, oppression and subjugation. There is such power in being in a place like that. I think of the National Civil Rights Museum at the Lorraine Motel in Memphis, where as a visitor, you stand right in front of that balcony where Dr. King was shot. So there in Charleston, what were some reactions that you heard other people express? And Ken, what was your own reaction in the context of your own life and your family history? A lot of what I you know, got obviously was just folks saying, wow, this is just visually so impressive. Uh, the history and, and just the learning of various walks of life, not just American history from the 1600s, but learning about Africa to America, you know, the Gullah Geechee culture, which is so prevalent in Charleston. There was a, a woman who was sitting down toward the end of the museum. She was sitting across from President Obama, a, you know, a likeness of him and just kind of his backstory. And I walked past her and it's hard for me to explain, but sometimes there's like an aura with people. Hmm. And I asked her, I said, you know, are you okay? And um, she started to tear up a little bit. And so I just sat down with her and I, you know, we just talked 
I'm going to paraphrase what she said. She said, we've been through so much. We've experienced so much, yet we thrive. Hmm. For myself personally, the Hamburg Massacre for me hits very close to home. So the Hamburg Massacre, it happened in 1876, happened July 4th, 1876. And so you had these black militia that was celebrating in the 4th of July, celebrating, you know, the country's centennial. And uh, there were these gentlemen who, you know, basically walked through their parade in a very disrespectful fashion. And they were simply asked to, hey, you know, don't walk through this parade. And it created this racial conflict that ultimately ended up in what we know as the Hamburg Massacre. It really just started this reign of white supremacist terror that affected my hometown, what I know as North Augusta. So attending the museum, looking for pieces of that and, you know, that being a part of the conversation of reconstruction. And so when we talk about the history of this place, a lot of it is just history that's hidden in plain sight. Hmm. South Carolina's history, as you say, is of course so deeply entwined with that of enslaved people who were forced ashore here. And that seems somehow at once very well known and also somewhat obscured in American history. In light of all the work that you do, do you see awareness finally deepening in the right places here? I think the awareness is happening. I just think it has to be more profound just to make sure that this history is not tucked away again, Mm. because for so long it was tucked away. Even now in this country, there's a battle that has endured in terms of education, in terms of history, in terms of what is taught in public schools. And so at the same time, as people can attend this museum, there are also elements and entities and institutions who don't want what's in that museum taught in public school. Hmm. And that's very problematic. It's interesting in your answer, I was hearing shades of what you said when we last spoke about progress in Black Hollywood. And you talked about peaks and valleys and the former being encouraging and the valleys being persistent. I I feel like you're saying something similar here. Very much so. I'll just reference very quickly to the Florida curriculum that has garnered controversy that Ron DeSantis has pushed for. Mm -hmm. You know, this idea that slavery was beneficial to black people. As soon as I heard that, I immediately went back to John C. Calhoun, 1837. And this notion that slavery is a positive good. Hmm. John C. Calhoun died in 1850 died before the Civil War, and Mm -hmm. yet his ideologies persist even now. As much as John C. Calhoun and those of his ilk are uncompromising, I think the rebuke of those ideas has to be similarly decisive. Right. It's such a hard history, but it's not one without light. We talked a little bit offline about, uh, just one example, there's a regional foodways documentary series called High on the Hog, in which the host, black food writer Stephen Satterfield, gets into Carolina's rice and the Gullah cooking traditions. There's this real sense of pride and preservation, and that seems important too. Really, that's, that's about thriving, isn't it, in the current time? Oh, most certainly. And when you go to the museum, uh, one of the uh, museum uh, guides talked a bunch about Carolina gold and rice culture mm-hmm. and about Charleston being like a, a Dubai is how she put it. Rice was a very lucrative opportunity and it spoke to just this history beyond slavery. It spoke to a history of, I'm hesitant to say entrepreneurship mm-hmm. because it was about more than commerce. Uh, there was, there were cultural ramifications to Carolina gold. And that's important when we talk about black history. A lot of black history obviously talks about 
the response to white supremacy. But there are ideas which endure when you look at black studies, when you look at the spirituality, the sociology of what it means to, I'll use it in this context, to be African. Charleston is ground zero, obviously, for chattel slavery. Mm -hmm. But Charleston is also a bridge port from Africa. Looking back at that history and the culinary culture and uh, the laborious culture beyond slavery, obviously, there's just such a relevance and richness there. I, I keep going back to richness. Richness speaks to not only commerce, but also speaks to just culture. I think that's the word to describe it. It's a remarkable piece that you've written about a really remarkable place. And uh, Ken, thank you so much for coming on and chatting about it. I appreciate this sentiment and thank you so much for having me. To our listeners, thank you for listening. You can find show notes with a link to the story we discussed at csmonitor.com slash why we wrote this. This episode was hosted by me, Clay Collins, and produced by Jingnan Pung. Our sound engineer was Alyssa Britton, with original music by Noel Flat. Produced by the Christian Science Monitor, copyright 2023.